Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirim on Daf Yomi. We are now on Nazir Daf Chavbet Amud Bet, uh, in the middle of our analysis of the first two Mishnayot of the fourth chapter. And in that uh, discussion, we talked about a woman linking to another woman's Nizirut, and then the index woman's Nizirut is cancelled by her husband. What's the effect on the tethered woman? So, what if the second woman didn't say va'ani, but she said, I am in the zira, in your footsteps, mahu? What does that mean? means I'm following you all the way, and that means now she's mutar. Or maybe it meant, I am in your footsteps as of right now when you're taking the ned there, before your husband cancels it, and therefore she continues to be asura. Back to our Mishnah. The husband can't be Mayfair. Why? Because we assume that the husband's nether is linked to hers, and if he cancels hers, he cancels his. We already dealt with this previously in the previous podcast, and we'll see the same answer again. If you think that when somebody says, which is sort of the same thing, that he's grabbing on to the essential ned there, so let him be made for her chalak, and he'll keep his chalak, it'll remain as is, and that's it. It must be that when you say, you're accepting the entire status of the other person, including the subsequent heter when the husband cancels it, which is why, that's why the husband cannot be made for so that means that if a woman takes a neder and another woman latches on to that neder and the husband re- uh, cancels the first, his own wife, then the other woman is released also. Perhaps when she says bikvayach, she means to grab onto the essential neder. When she said vani, this is the same answer we had yesterday, that when she says, Va'ani, when the husband says, Va'ani, it's as if he is confirming her neder, and therefore he can't be Mayfair, not because he can never be Mayfair, if he retracts his own Hakama, then he can be Mayfair, if not, not, because the two really are separated. Okay, now, the Mishnah Bet that we studied very quickly in the previous podcast reads as follows, nazir ve'at. The husband says, I am a Nazir, and you. There's no punctuation here, so we don't know what the inflection is. He can he can cancel hers and his remains. Uh who we have a challenge to that. The husband said, I'm a Nazir and you. If she says Amen, they're both Nasurin. If not, there's nothing there. Why? Because he made his ned there dependent on her acceptance. In other words, viat was part of his ned there. And if she doesn't accept it, there's nothing there. So how can we say that in our case they're separable, and each one has a separate hafara, if, if so? Uh, if, I mean, if she has a separate hafara, that doesn't affect him. So I'm Rabbi Yehuda, Tani, Mefret Shalav, Kayam. Rabbi Yehuda says, yeah, that's what, uh, that's what that brighter should read. Not Shnehem Asurin. No, you can leave the bright as is. We don't have to change the text. In the bright, it's exactly the way it reads. I am a Nazir, as are you. And he made his vow dependent on hers, and therefore, if she doesn't say, I mean, there's nothing. That's a question. I'm a Nazir. What about you? In other words, he made a vow of Nazir that's independent. And then he said, you want to join me? 
Therefore, if she says Amen, she's in the Zira, and he can be Mefer, it's independent. And if she doesn't say Amen, then she's not in the Zira, and he's still in Nazir. Okay. Now, the next Mishnah, Mishnah Gimel, Ha'isha Shana Drab in Nazir. We already saw this in yesterday's pod, in the previous podcast, <coughs> developed that a woman who takes a ned there of Nazirut, and she was violating it. She gets makot, which of course, as we said, is a no-brainer, but it's only there for the next statement. The husband counseled her ned there. She didn't know about that. And she was violating the Nazirut, thinking she really was in Nazirah. Nonetheless, she does not get Makot. We don't marry him. Rebut agrees that she can't get Makot, but she spoke Makot Mardut. But the Beitin should still administer lashes because she intended to violate the Nazirut. She had bad intentions, and she carried them out. She just, on a technicality, wasn't really violating the law. And that's what our entire discussion now is going to be, mainly homiletic, on the issue of intention. It's going to take us to some very interesting places. Okay, the first place that we go is to Nidarim itself. In the uh, in the case where a husband cancels a neder, the text says, The husband canceled it, and God will forgive her. The, 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 there's a non sequitur there. If the husband canceled it, then she can go ahead and eat dates or whatever she banned that got canceled, and there's nothing to forgive. So what's it? So the drosha is that that phrase is referring to a case where the husband canceled it, but she didn't know. And she and then she violated what she thought was in there. That she does need some sort of forgiveness. But Hashem will forgive her. In other words, if she f- later finds out the husband retracted, she's not going to get uh, makot. She still has to do tshuva. She still has to repent from the fact that she she intended to violate the law. When Rabbi Kiva got to this pasuk and thinking about the implications, he would cry and say the following. Think about this. Here's somebody who intended to eat chazer and instead ate lamb. That's like our woman. She ended intended to eat forbidden dates. Turned out they were really permitted dates because her husband canceled it. She didn't know that. Nonetheless, the person needs kaparah So if somebody intends to violate the law and successful, how much more so he needs forgiveness from God. The same thing in verse 2 on the page. In the Parsha of Asham Talui. If the person doesn't know whether or not he violated the law, he still has a sin. Here's somebody who wanted to do an okay thing, and by accident did the wrong thing. If you have a piece of meat, which may be shuman, may be chelev, and he ate it, which means it's now an Asham Talui, because he, at the time, he forgot Chelev was Asr. And then he ate it. And then later he remembered Chelev was Asr, but he doesn't know if this was Chelev. That's an Asham Talui. He still needs forgiveness. So certainly somebody who did want to eat something uh, inappropriate and was successful in doing so. In other words, here we're talking the, looking at the other side of the coin. In the case of the Ned, there's a woman who intended to violate the law and failed. She ended up not violating the law. Here we have somebody who intended to do the right thing and in and by error did the wrong thing. Still needs forgiveness. Allah had come of 
That's what Rabbi Kiva. Isa ben Yehuda Omer, lo yadav Hashem in Asavono, back to the Hashem Talui, he flips it and says, uh, sorry, he, this is somebody who wanted to do the right thing and ended up eating something wrong. He doesn't like Rabbi Kiva's example when you have one piece and you don't know if it's chelav or shuman. You have two pieces, one's not kosher, one is. Nonetheless, even though he intended to do the right thing, but because he entered into a safek, he has a korban. If somebody intended to do the wrong thing and did do the wrong thing, how much more so he needs forgiveness? For this, the crier should cry. People should realize how terrible it is to violate the law. Now, why do we need Rabbi Kiva's two homilies and Raisa ben Yehuda's third? If we only had the first one in the context of the neder, where she intended to violate the law but didn't, there I understand why she needs forgiveness. She wanted to violate the law. When you only have one piece of meat and it's unclear whether it's chelav or shuman, you thought it was mutter and you ate it. I would think you don't need forgiveness because you didn't intend to violate the law. If you only had the one about the meat, the very fact is there is something here which is asur. In fact, in the case of the woman that the husband has rejected the neder, she doesn't know about it, which means that in reality there's nothing asur here. Um... <clears throat> Lo tibai kaparos licha. I might think she doesn't need forgiveness. So that's where we keep his two pieces. Vidmar hani tarti. If I only had those two, I'm in a hani tarti who desagilano kaparos licha. I would think in those cases you just need to do tshuva. There's no specific korban or punishment. To lo ikpa isura because there was no real isur. In the case of the one, there's no isur at all. In the case of the one piece that may have been chayla v'shuma, we don't know for sure that there was an isur there at all. When you have two pieces of meat and you know one of them is not kosher, you just don't know which one is which, maybe kapar and slicha is not enough, maybe you need to get makot, maybe you need to bring a korban of some sort. Therefore, Yisab Yehuda teaches that's also in the same category. In other words, anywhere where it is not an outright violation with intent and with success in the violation, it comes under this category of kapar and slicha. And now we will pick up on this theme and go further. Amar Rabbah Barbachan Rabbi Yochanan. My dichtiv, famous pasuk at the end of Sefer Hoshea, Ki Yisharim, Ki Yisharim, Darche Adonai. God's ways are straight. The tzaddikim yalchuvam. The tzaddikim walk in them, ufoshim yikashluvam. But the sinners tr- are, fall there. In the same way. So remember, it's one way in which the righteous succeed and the sinners fail. What's that about? Mashal, Shnei Bnei Adam Shetzalut Pischem. Two people roasted their Pesach. One of them ate it for the purpose of the mitzvah. The other one ate it because he's a chazer, because he's a, a ravenous and he loves lamb. The one who ate it l'shem mitzvah. This is somebody who's walking in God's path as a tzaddik. The one who ate it for his own appetite. He's a sinner. So Amar Shlaker Shlaker says to him, "Hi, Rashakari, why are you calling this guy a sinner?" You're right, he didn't do the ideal. The ideal is to eat the Korban Pesach as a mitzvah. Pesach, but he'd still fulfill the mitzvah? You can't say he didn't. You wouldn't say he's chayiv to bring another Pesach. You wouldn't say that he didn't fulfill the mitzvah. You wouldn't say he's chayiv karet. He brought the Pesach. So you can't call this guy who did it for a less than ideal intention a poshea. 
Let's try a different example. Two people. Both of them have their wife and their sister in the house with them. One of them goes to bed, and it turns out it's his wife in the bed. And the other one goes to bed, and it turns out it's his sister in his bed. So he applies the pasuk to them. So midami, that doesn't work, because we're talking about one path on which some succeed and some fail. This is two different paths. And his damna here has to mean that he either intentionally violated the law or just wasn't very careful, because otherwise, of course, it was uh, inadvertent. The, it goes back to the story of Lot, that night, those two nights in the cave in Soar, where his daughters impregnated him. That's what we're referring to. It's all one act, which is incest. And Chazal generally see the daughter's motivation in that story, as the text seems to indicate, as being laudatory, as being positive. They wanted to populate the earth. They thought the earth was, uh, was devastated. Therefore, that's considered to be a righteous act. But he had uh, licentious intentions. All right, we'll discuss that in a minute. So the same one path is good for them and bad for him. Maybe he also intended a good thing. Maybe Lot also was intending, you know what, the world's devastated, as terrible as it is. I'll have to impregnate my daughters to keep the world going. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. No, because call a pasuk azel neymar. The entire pasuk. Now, which pasuk is this? This is the pasuk at the beginning of the story of Lot, when Lot separates from Avram, and Avram offers him to take either the north or south area of the hills of Hare Yudan Hare Harafraim and Har Shomron, and instead Lot looks east down into the valley and chooses Stom. And the pasuk says Vaisa Lot and then continue on. You see the pasuk on the page. Rabbi Yochanan says every word in the in, in Lot's um, looking down its dome is associated with a uh, with a terrible sin. In other words, Lot's entire focus and his, his entire life from that point on was sinful. Vaisal Lot is associated with that. That's when Mrs. Potiphar looked up to Yosef and tried to seduce him. Vaisal Lot et Enav goes to Shimshon, at Kihi Ashraveinai. Shimshon wants to marry the Plishti girl because she's good in his eyes. He likes the way she looks. And now, even though the text goes on to say that that was really God's plan to get the Plishti in Yisrael to fight so that Yisrael could win, nonetheless, Shimshon is excoriated for it, as we will see when we get to Masachat Sota in the first parak. Vayar, said Lot saw it. What's that? Vayar ota Shechem ben Chamor. That's parallel to Shechem seeing Dina before he rapes her. At Kol Kikari Arden, what did he see? The whole plain of the Arden. What's that? Ad Isha Zona Ad Kikar Lachem. Pasuk in Mishle, which is interpreted several ways. Again, at the beginning of Sota, we'll see interesting interpretation of it, but associates prostitution with Kikar Lachem for a loaf of bread. So Kikari Arden, it's a play on the word Kikar. Kichula Mashke, it was all fertile. What's that? This goes to the beautiful prophecy in Hosea when Am Yisrael. Uh, presented as the uh, adulterous wife uh, who wants to leave and go after her lover, says, I'm going to go after my lovers, who give me my my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Uh-huh. So, 
the mashkeh that Lot saw is associated with that adulterous metaphor. So, uh, so we see that Lot was not somebody whose character we're going to uh, judge favorably. But what do you mean? Lot was drunk that night, those two nights. So how can we hold him responsible? How can we call him Poshea? Uh, so, so the answer is Tanim Yishim Rabbi Rav Choni. Vav Uvekuma. In the uh, there are diacritical marks in the Sefer Torah in numerous places, which are called Nikudot, and there is one over the Vav in Uvekuma uh, when the uh, when the elder it says that Lot did not know anything when she lay down with him when she got up, and or he did not know about her lying down or getting up. But there's a dot over there. Of the, the oldest one, he didn't know when she lay down with him. When she got up, he realized what had happened. What can he do? It's too late. The answer is, shouldn't have had any wine the next day. After all, he knew what his daughter had done to him the day before. He shouldn't have had any wine the next day, and then he would have avoided falling into that same trap. So we see that Lot really was sinful. And on the other hand, the daughters are seeing as praiseworthy. We see that Lot was sinful from our interpretation of the Pasuk back in Perak Yud Gimel, where Lot decided to go to Stom, and the association of all those words with terrible other attitudes. And then we know that in this particular case, based on the tradition, Lot was aware that his daughter had gotten him drunk and should have avoided wine the next night. The fact that he didn't meant that he really was interested in having relations, and therefore he's not anus. Okay, and now we continue with this theme. This is Pasuk in Mishlemin, which means that a brother, a uh, relative who has been hurt or offended is harder to take than a, uh, a strong city. Um, and fighting between them is harder than the bolt that uh, protects the palace. What does that mean? Who's the Ach? This is Lot who left Avraham. What's the fighting that was so hard? He created a contentious relationship as a result of his leaving that was as hard to breach as a palace. What was that? That the Torah said that his children, the children of Ammon and Moab, who are the children of those two incestuous knights, uh, cannot enter the congregation, cannot marry a Jew. Now, Darash Rava Vitem Rabbi Yitzchak Mai Dichtiv Ta'avai Vakesh Nifrad Vachol Tushia Yitkalea. Meaning, another Pasuk in Mishle, which means, a somebody who wants, uh, who separates, is, uh, separates himself out, is looking for his own desire, and he's rejecting all sorts of wisdom. Somebody who separates, so who's that? That's going to be Lot. Ta'avai Vakesh Nifrad Zelot Vachol Tushia Yitkalea. Such a Nitkale Kalono. Nitkale, we're playing on the word Yitkalea that he rejects as Nitkale. It's revealed. His shame is publicized everywhere. Everybody knows the story of Lot and his daughters. And we know the halacha, that you're not allowed to have an Amonim Avi marry in, even if they convert and they, generations later, they can still not, still cannot marry in, all because of what Lot did that night. Not really, and the text gives us other reasons, but we know about Lot's shame. Amar Ula. Tamar zinta zimrizana zina. Tamar, in the story with Yehuda and Breshit Lamed Chet, technically uh, did something, an act of prostitution. Zimri also. Zimri, the prince of uh, of Shimon, who took Kozbi Vatsur, also did. Tamar zinta yatsu mena malachim 
nonetheless, look what came out of her, kings and prophets. Zimrizi, now what happens? Israel. Tens of thousands of Jews died as a result. In other words, the same act, this is picking up on the same theme, the same act can be a terrible act or a praiseworthy act depending on intention. And that's going to get us to the most famous example of this. Very strange phrase. That doing a um, sin, but for the right reason, may be greater than doing a mitzvah for the wrong reason. What's that? The famous dictum of Rav that a person should always engage in mitzvot, even not for the right reason, even for ulterior motives. Because uh, ultimately he'll do it for the right reason. So what does it mean? Meaning an Avera for the right reason is about equal to a mitzvah. In other words, a mitzvah for the wrong reason isn't bad, but an Avera for the right reason is, The beautiful praise for Yael, the wife of Hever, who slayed Sisra, and according to the traditional interpretation of the Pasuk we're about to read, seduced and had relations with Sisra himself in order to weaken him and then be able to kill him, is blessed. It's an Avera Lishma. Man Nashim Shebaol, who are the women in the tent of whom Yael is more praised? Sarah Rivka Rachel Right? So according to tradition, based on the fact that there are seven words in the following Pasuk, that could be understood as it be, as meaning relations. They say that Sisra had relations seven times with her. Shemar ben ragla karan afal shachav. Look at the pasuk on the page. You can count them. So how can we praise Yael? After all, she technically violated the law, but she also got physical pleasure. We know that any time Rishayim benefit, the Tzadikim are, don't get any benefit from it. It's a bad thing for Tzadikim. So if this evil person is getting benefit, the fact that that's the case means she's not getting any benefit. Shinemar, how do we know that? Lavan, when he finally catches up with Yaakov, says, I could have hurt you, but your God caught up with me and told me not to speak good or bad. So Bishlamara, I understand why God said I shouldn't speak bad. Shapir. Why should I speak good? Because if Lavan says something nice, something that he's having a pleasurable time, that's also bad for Yaakov. Shmamina. Okay, we go back to Rav's dictum about involving oneself in Torah mitzvot for ulterior motives. Think about this, Balak, the terrible king of Moab who hired Bilam to curse and destroy B'nai Israel, brought 42 korbanot, because he brought seven korbanot on Mizbeach, and then a second time, and each one of those three times. So it's 42 korbanot. Uh, Parva Ayel, times seven, on three Mizbechot. Zachav Yatzam Menu Rut. And Balak, according to tradition, was the ancestor of Rut. Rut bat Penoshal Eglon Melach Moav that in her ancestry is Eglon, the king of Moab, who was stabbed to death by Ehud, who evidently was a descendant of Balak. The, the limud here is that if Eglon was the king of Moab, he must have been a descendant of Balak, the king of Moab. Eglon is in the time of Shoftim, and Balak is in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. And so therefore, if Ruth was a descendant of Eglon, she's a descendant of Balak. How did Balak merit having such a fantastic, wondrous, uh, righteous woman come from him, the great-grandmother of David HaMelech, because he brought korbanot even for a terrible reason. How did 
How do we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't disregard even uh, the reward, even for saying something nice? The Ilu Bechira, the Karite Moab, the older girl back in the cave with Mot when she gave birth, called the kid Moab. Moab means it's expressly saying he's from father, Me'av. Amr le Rahman, what did the Torah say about him? Al Tatsart Moab al Tidgarbam Mochama. You can't go to war. What did Hashem say to Moshe Rabbeinu? You can't go to war against Moab. But you can harass them. You just can't go to war. But the younger girl, who called her son Ben Ami, which is less obvious about who the father is. In other words, she demonstrated some sniut. Don't harass them at all. In other words, Amon, the Torah gives Amon a little bit more protection in their foreign relations with Am Yisrael than Moab as a reward for the fact that uh, the mother of Amon was more modest and more discreet in her naming her child. A person should always run to do a mitzvah first. This is now a flip, saying that the mother of Moab was more praiseworthy because the Bechira went and initiated the idea of having children with Lot and went the first night. Therefore, Therefore, she was four generations earlier in entering the Jewish monarchy. Why is that? Because Ruth is from Moab. There's the famous Giorot. The Gemara Bokhamad Aflamad Zion talks about the famous Giorot from Ammon and Moab. And the famous Giorot from Moab, of course, is Ruth. And three generations later, David is born. Who is David's daughter-in-law? Shlomo's wife, the mother of Rechavam, is Naamah Ammonit. So four generations later, so in other words, because the Bechira jumped ahead and had relations with her father on the first night, therefore she merited entering Am Yisrael four generations earlier. Okay, we have completed our way to the next Mishnah, and we'll pick up here in the next podcast. Everyone should have a wonderful day.